Chapter 5 of Mice and Man One end of the great barn was filled, piled high with the new hay, and over the pile hung the four-talent Jackson fork suspended from its pulley. The hay came down like a mountain slope to the other end of the barn, and there was a level place as yet unfilled with the new crop. At the sides the feeding racks were visible, and between the slats the heads of horses could be seen. It was Sunday afternoon, the resting horses nibbled the remaining wisps of hay, and they stamped their feet, and they bit the wood of the mangers, and rattled the halter chains. The afternoon sun was sliced in through the cracks of the barn walls, and lay in bright lines on the hay. There was the buzz of flies in the air, the lazy afternoon humming. From outside came the clang of horseshoes on the playing peg, and the shouts of men playing and crouching, jeering. But in the barn it was quiet and humming and lazy, warm. Only Lenny was in the barn, and Lenny sat in the hay beside a packing case under a manger in the end of the barn that had not been filled with hay. Lenny sat in the hay and looked at a little dead puppy that lay in front of him. Lenny looked at it for a long time. Then he put out his huge hand and stroked it. What from one end to the other? And Lenny said softly to the puppy, Why'd you got to get killed? You ain't so little as mice. I didn't bounce you hard. He bent the puppy's head up and looked at its face and he said it. Now maybe George ain't gonna let me tend no rabbits if he finds out you got killed. He scooped a little hollow and laid the puppy in it, covered it with hay, out of sight. But he continued to stare at the mound he had made. He said, this ain't no bad thing like I got to go hide in the bush. Oh no, this ain't. I'll tell George if... Tell George he found him dead. He unburied the pup and inspected it. He stroked it from ears to tail. He went on sorrowfully. But he'll know. George always knows, he'll say. You've done it. Don't try to get put nothing over me over on me. And he'll say, Now just for that you don't get to tend no rabbits. So his anger arose. God damn you, he cried. Why'd you got to get killed? You ain't so little as mice. He picked up the puppy, build it in, fr- build held it from him. He turned back on it, his back on it. He sat over his bent over his knees and he whispered, "Now I won't get to tend rabbits. Now he won't let m- let me." He rocked himself back and forth in his sorrow. From outside came the clang of horseshoes on the iron stake, and then a little chorus of cries. Then he got up and brought the puppy back and laid it in the hay. And sat down. He stroked the pup again. You won't. wasn't big enough. He said. They told me. And told me you wasn't. I didn't know you'd get killed so easily. He worked his fingers in the little pup's limp ear. Maybe George won't care. He said. This here goddamn little son of a bitch wasn't nothing to George. Kayla's wife came around the end. With the last stall. She came very quietly. 
so that Lenny didn't see her. She wore a bright cotton dress and the mules with red ostrich feathers. Her face was made up and little sausage curls were all in place. She was quite near to him before Lenny looked up and saw her. In a panic he shoved the hay over the puppy with his fingers and looked suddenly up at her. She said, what you got there, sonny boy? Lenny glared at her. George says I ain't to have nothing to do with you. Talk to you or nothing. She laughed. George giving you orders about everything. Lenny looked down at the hay. Says I can't tend no rabbits if I talk to you or anything. She said quietly. He's scared Curly will get mad. Well, Curly got his arm in a sling. So if Curly gets tough, you can break his other hand. He didn't put nothing over on me about getting it caught in no machine. But Lenny was not to be drawn. No, sir, I ain't going to talk to you or nothing. She knelt in the hay beside him. Listen, she said. All the guys got a horseshoe tournament going on. It's only about four o'clock. None of them guys are going to leave that tournament. Why can't I talk to you? I never get to talk to nobody. I get awfully lonely. Lenny said, well, I ain't supposed to talk to you or nothing. I get lonely, she said. You t- can talk to people, but I can't talk to nobody but Curly. Elsie gets mad. How'd you like not to talk to anybody? And he said, well, I ain't supposed to. George scared I'll get in trouble. Then he said. She changed the subject. But you got covered up there. Then all of Lenny's voice came back to it on him. Just my pup, he said sadly. Just my little pup. And he swept away, the hay away from on top of it. Why, he dared. He was so little, said Lenny. I was just playing with him and he made like he was going to bite me. And I made like I was going to smack him. And then I done it. And then he, he was dead. She considered him. Don't you worry, none. He was just a mop. You can get another one easily. The whole country... It's full of moths. Why ain't that so much? It ain't that so much, Lenny explained miserably. George ain't gonna let me tend no rabbits now. Why, Danny? Well, he said if I done any more bad things, he ain't gonna let me tend the rabbits. She moved closer to him and she spoke soothingly. Don't you worry about talking to me. Listen to the guys yell out there. They got four dollars spent in the tournament. None of them ain't gonna le- leave until it's over. If George sees me talking to you, he'll give me one, give me hell. Lenny said cautiously. He told me so. Her face grew angry. What's the matter with me? She cried. Ain't I got a right to talk to nobody? What would they think I am, anyways? You're a nice guy. I don't know why I can't talk to you. I ain't doing no harm to you. Well, George says you'll get us in a mess. Oh, I'm nuts, she said. What kind of harm am I going to do to you? Seems like they ain't none of them cares how I got to live. I tell you, I ain't need. I ain't used to living like this. I couldn't have made something of myself, she said darkly. Maybe I will yet. And then her words tumbled out in a passion of communication as though she'd 
worried before her listener could be taken away. I live right in Solanas, she said. Come there when I was a kid. Will a show come through? And I met one of the actress, actors. He said I could go with that show. But my old lady wouldn't let me. She says because I was only 15. But the guy says I could have. If I went, I won't be living like this, you bet. Then he stroked the pup back and forth. We're going to have a little place. And Rabbit's here explained. She went on with the story quickly before she should be interrupted. Another time I met a guy and he was in the pictures. Went out to the Riverside Dance Palace with him. He says he was going to put me in the movie. Says I was natural. Soon he's got back to Hollywood. He was going to write to me about it. She looked closely at Lenny to see whether she was interested in him, pressing him. I never got that letter, she said. I always thought my old lady stole it. Well, I wasn't going to stay in a place where I couldn't get nowhere or make something of myself. And where they stole your letters. I asked her if she stole it too and she says no. So I married Curly. Met him out of the Riverside Dancer Palace that came that same night. She demanded, you listening? Me? Sure. Well, I ain't told this to nobody before. Maybe I ought to. to. I don't like Curly. He ain't a nice fella. And because she had confided in him, she moved closer to Lenny and sat beside him. Could have been in the movies and found a nice clothes. All of them nice clothes like they were. And I could have sat in them big hotels and had pictures of took of me. When they had them previews, I could have went to them. I spoke in radio and it wouldn't cost me a cent because I was in the picture. Or... And all of them nice clothes like they were, because the guy says I was unnatural. She looked up at Lenny and she made a small grand gesture with her arms with her arm and hand to show that she could act. The fingers trailed over a leading wrist and her little finger struck out grandly from the rest. Lenny sighed deeply. From outside came the clang of horseshoe on metal and then the chorus of cheers. Somebody made a ringer, said Curly's wife. Now the light was lifting as the sun went down and the sun streaks climbed up the wall and fell over the feeding racks and over the heads of, ho- of the horses. And he said, maybe if I took this pup out and thrown him away, George would never know. And they could tend the rabbits without no trouble, Curly's wife said angry. Don't you think of nothing but rabbits? We've got to have a little place, Lenny explained. We're going to have a house and a garden and a place for alfalfa and that alfalfa is for the rabbits. And I take a sack and get it all full full of alfalfa and I take it to the rabbits. She asked, what makes you so nuts about rabbits? Lenny had to think carefully before he could come to a conclusion. He moved cautiously close to her until he was right against her. I like to pet nice things. Once at a fair, I seen some of them. Long hair rabbits. And they was nice, you bet. Sometimes I even pet mice, but not when I could get nothing better. Curly's wife moved away from him a little. I think you nuts, she said. No, I ain't her. Lenny explained earnestly. 
George says I ain't. I like to pet nice things with my fingers, soft things. She was a little bit reassured. Well, who don't, she said. Everybody likes that. I like to feel silk and velvet. Do you like to feel velvet? Lenny did, chuckled with pleasure. You bet, by God, he cried happily. And I like some too. A lady gave me some. And that lady was my own Aunt Clara. She gave it right to me. About this big piece. About this bigger piece. Wished I had some that velvet right now. A frown came over his face. I lost it, he said. I ain't seen it for a long time. <laughs> Kelly's wife laughed at him. You're nuts, she said. But you're kind of a nice fella. Just a big baby. But a person can see kind of what you mean. When I'm doing my... Uh, sometimes I just sit and stroke it because it's so soft. To show how she did it, she ran her fingers over the top of her head. Some people got kind of coarse hair, she said, complacently. Take curly, his hair is just like wire. But mine is soft and fine because I brush it a lot. That makes it fine here. Feel right here. She took Lenny's hand and put it on her head. Feel that around there. And see how soft it is. Lenny's big fingers fell to stroking her hair. Don't you muss it up? Lenny said, oh, that's nice. And stroked harder. Oh, that's nice. Look out now. You'll muss it. And she cried angrily. You stop it now. You mess it all up. She jerked her head sideways and Lenny's fingers closed on her hair. And hung on. Let go, she cried. You let go. Lenny, in a was in a panic. His face was contorted. She screamed then, and Lenny's other hand closed over her mouth and nose. Please don't. Oh, please don't do that. George will be mad. She struggled violently under his hands. Her feet battered on the hay, and she rivered to be free. And from under Lenny's hand came a muffled screaming. She began to cry with fright. Oh, please don't do none of that, he begged. George is going to say I've done a bad thing. He ain't going to let me tend no rabbits. He moved his hand a little and a hoarse cry came out. Then George grew angry. Now don't, he said. I don't want you to yell. You're going to get me in trouble, just like George says you will. Now don't you do that. And she continued to struggle. Her eyes were wide with terror. He shook her then. He was angry with her. Don't you go yelling, he said. And he shook her. And her body flapped like a fish, and then she was still, for Lenny had broken her neck. Lenny looked down at her carefully. He removed his hand from her mouth, and she lay still. I don't want to hurt you, he said. That George will be mad if you yell. And when she didn't answer nor the beat nor move, he bent closely over her. He lifted her arm and let it drop. For a moment he seemed bewildered, and then he whispered in fright, I done a bad thing. I done another bad thing. They pulled up the hay until it partially covered her. From outside the barn came a cry of men, the double clang of shoes on the metal. For the first time, Lenny became conscious of the outside. He crouched down in the hay and listened. I've done a bad thing, he said. I shouldn't have done that, did that. George will be mad, and he said, and hide in the bush till he came. He's going to be mad in the bush till he came. That's what he said. George went back and looked at the girl. The puppy lay close to her. Lenny picked it up. I'll throw him away, he said. It's bad enough like it is. 
and he put the pup under his coat and he crept to the barn wall and peered out between the cracks towards the horseshoe game and he crept around the end of the last manger and disappeared. The sun streaks were high in the wall by now and the light was growing soft in the barn till his wife lay on end back and she was half covered with hay. It was very quiet in the barn and the quiet of the afternoon was on the ranch. Even the clang of the pitching shoes, even the voices of the men in the game seemed to grow more quiet. The air in the barn was dusky in advance of the outside day. A pigeon flew in through the open hay door and circled and flew out again. Around the last stall came a shepherd bitch, lean and long with heavy hanging ducks, halfway to packing box where the puppies were. She caught the dead scent of Curly's wife and hair rose along her spine. She whimpered and cringed to the packing box and jumped in among the puppies. Curly's wife lay with a half-covered yellow hay and the mean meanness and the plannings and the discontent and the ache for attention were all gone from her face. She was very pretty and simple and her hair face was sweet and young. Now her rough rugged cheeks and her reddened lips made her seem alive and sleeping very lightly. The curls, tiny little sausages, were sprung on the hay behind her head, and her lips were parted. As happened sometimes, a moment settled, hovered, and remained for much more than a minute, and the sound stopped and the movement stopped for much, much more than a moment. Then gradually, time awakened again and moved slowly sluggishly on the horses stamped on the other side of the feeding racks and the halter change clinked outside the vo men's voices became louder and cleaner from around the end of the old store old candy's voice came lenny he called oh lenny you in there i've been figuring out some more tell you what we can do lenny old candy appeared around the end of the last store oh lenny he called again and then he stopped and his body stiffened he rubbed his smooth wrist on his white stable whiskers. I didn't know you was here, he said to Curly's wife, and then she didn't answer. He stepped nearer. You ought to sleep out here, he said disapprovingly, and he, he was beside her. Oh, Jesus Christ, he looked around helplessly, and he rubbed his beard, and then he jumped up and went out of the barn. But the barn was alive now. The horses stamped and snorted, and they chewed the straw of their bedding, and they clashed their chains of their halters. In a moment, Candy came back and George was with them. What was you wanting to see me about? Candy pointed to Curly's wife. George stared. What's the matter with her? He asked. He stepped closer and he echoed Cl Candy's words. Oh, Jesus Christ. He was down on his knees beside her. He put his hand over her heart and finally, when he stood up slowly and stiffly, his face went as hard and tight as wood and his eyes were hard. Candy said, what done it? George looked cold at him. Haven't you got any idea? He asked. And Candy went silent and sort of knew. He said, hopefully. I guess maybe the way back in my head I did. Candy asked, what are we going to do now, George? What are we going to do now? George was a long time in answering. Guess we're going to tell the guys. I guess we've got to get him in. Lock him up. We can't let him get away. Why the poor bastard will starve? He tried to reassure himself. Maybe they'll lock him up. 
and be nice to him. Then Candy said excitedly, you ought to let him get away. We don't know that, Curly. Curly's gonna wanna get him lynched. Curly'll get him killed. George watched Candy's lips, yeah, he said at last. That's right. Curly and the other guys will. And he looked back at Curly's wife. Now Curly, Candy spoke his greatest fear. You and me, we can get that little place, can't we, George? You and me can go there and live nice, can't we, George, can't we? Before George answered, Curly dropped, Candy dropped his head and looked down at the hay. He knew. George said softly, I think I knowed from the very first, I think I knowed we'd never do her. I used to like to hear about it so much I got to thinking maybe we would. Then it's all off, Candy said silkily. George didn't answer his question. George said, I'll work my month and I'll take my fifty bucks and I'll stay all night in some lousy cat house or I'll sit in some pool room till everybody goes home and I'll come back and work another month and I'll have fifty bucks more. Kenny said he was such a nice fella. I didn't think he'd do nothing like this. George still stared at Curly's wife. Lenny never done it in meanness. All the time he done bad things, but he never done one out done one of them mean. He straightened up and looked at back at Curly. Now listen, we're gonna tell the guys they've gotta bring him in, I guess. They ain't got no they ain't no way out. Maybe they won't hurt him, he said sharply. I ain't gonna hurt let him hurt Lenny. Now you listen. The guys might think I was in on it. I'm gonna go in the bunkhouse. And then in a minute you come out and tell the guys about her and I'll come along and make like I'd never seen her. Will you do that? So the guys won't think I was in on it. Sure, George, sure I'll do that. Okay, give me a couple of minutes then. And you come running out and tell like you just found her and I going now. George turned and quietly out of the barn. All Candy watched him go, looked helplessly back at Curly's wife, and gradually his sorrow and his anger grew into words. You goddamn tramp, he said viciously. You done it, didn't you? I suppose you're glad. Everybody knowed you'd mess things up. You wasn't no good. You ain't no good now, you lousy tart. He swivelled, and his voice shook. I could have Hold in that garden and wash dishes for them guys. He paused and then went on in a sing-song and he repeated old words. If they was a circus or a baseball game, we would have went to her. Just said to hell with work and went to her. Never ask nobody. Said so. And they been a pig and chicken. And in the winter... The little fat stove and the rain coming and just sitting there. His eyes blinded with tears and he turned and went weakly out of the barn. And he rubbed his briskly whiskers with his wrist stump. Outside the noise of the game stopped and then there was a rise of voices of question. A drum of running feet and the men 
burst into the barn, Slim and Carlson and the young wit and Curly and Crooks keeping back one of the out of the attention range. Candy came after them and last of all came George. George had put on his blue denim coat and buttoned it and his back hat was pulled down over his eyes. The men raced around the last stall. Their eyes found Curly's wife to the gl- in the gloom. They stopped and stood still and looked. Then Slim went quietly over to her and he felt her wrist. One lean finger touched her cheek and then his hand went under her slightly twisted neck and his fingers explored her neck. When he stood up, the men crowded near and the spell was broken. Curly came suddenly to life. I know he'd done it, he cried. That big son of a bitch done it. I know he'd done it. Why, everybody else. She was out here playing horseshoes. He whipped himself into a fury. I'm going to get him. I'm going to, for my shotgun, I'll kill the big son of a bitch myself. I'll shoot him in the guts. Come on, you guys. He asked furiously out of the barn. Carlson said, I'll get my luger. And he ran out too. Slim turned quietly to George. I guess Lenny done it all right, he said. Her cheeks bust. Lenny would have did, did that. George didn't answer, but he nodded slowly, his hat so far down his forehead, his eyes covered. Slim went on, maybe like that time in weed you was telling about. Again, George nodded. Slim sighed. Well, I guess we've got to get him. Where do you think he went? It all seemed to take George some time to free his word. He would have went south, he said. He came from the north, so he would have went south. I guess we've got to get him, Slimp repeated. George stepped close. Couldn't we maybe bring him in and lock him up? He's nuts, Slim. He never done this to be me. Slim nodded. We might, he said, if we keep him keep Curly in. We might, but Curly's going to want to shoot him. Curly's still mad about his hand, and suppose they lock him up and strip him down and put him in a cage. That ain't no good, George. I know, said George, I know. Carlson came running in. The bastard stole my lurker, he shouted. It ain't in my bag. Curly followed him, and, and Curly carried a shotgun in his good hand. Curly was cold now. All right, you guys, he said. The nigger's got a shotgun. You take it, Carlson. When you see him, don't give him two chance. Shoot for his guts. That'll double him over. Will said excitedly, I, got a, I ain't got a gun. Curly said, you go in soldier and get a cop. Get Albert Lutz. He's a, deputy, he's a deputy sheriff. Let's go now. He turned suspiciously on George. You come in with us, fella. Yeah, said George, I'll come. But listen, Curly, the poor bastard's nuts. Don't shoot him. He didn't know what he was doing. Don't shoot him, Curly cried. He's got Carlson's lager. Gus will shoot him. George said weakly, maybe Carlson lost his gun. I seen it this morning, said Carlson. No, it's been took. Slim looked down at Curly's wife, he said. Curly, maybe you'd better stay here with your wife. Curly's face reddened. I'm going, he said. I'm gonna shoot the guts out of that big bastard myself. 
and even if I only got one hand, I'm going to get him. Slim turned to Candy. You stay here with her then. Candy, the rest of us better get going. They moved away. George stopped a moment. Besides Candy, and they both looked down at the dead girl until Curly said, called Joe George, you stick with us so we don't think you've got nothing to do with this. George moved slowly after them, after them and his feet dragged heavily. And when they were gone, Candy squatted down in the hay and watched the face of Curly's wife, poor bastard, he said softly, a sound of men grew fainter, the farm was darkening gradually, and in their stalls the horses shifted their feet and rattled the halter chains. All Candy lay down in the hay and covered his hat with his arm, covered his face, eyes with his arm.